0: Uh, Matt, I am I am dying of heat over here, man. This is, I feel the summer heat coming on.
1: Dude, the bullets are just coming hot right out of your face. What's going on, dude?
0: Well, first off, I'm not giving any damn money to those air conditioning people because uh, I tried to get them over here once before and gotten in an argument. So now I'm looking for a venue to end up in because they're always a lot cooler, right? You know, something with a live act.
1: Oh, okay. You're looking to be entertained and chill the fuck out at the same time. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, uh, what if I told you I could save you a little money if you're looking to purchase some tickets to a live venue?
0: Well, I'm not looking to sweat the ticket prices, so what do you got for me?
1: Man, head over to seedgiant.com, enter the code SLACKER at checkout, and you will be getting a little sweet discount, and you'll be chilling in no time.
0: Less money to give to that damn air conditioning repairman.
1: Oh, man, yeah, get him out of Get out of here. Get out of here. Go to seedgiant.com, use the code SLACKER. Get that discount. Rolling. Rolling. Five, four, three, Three, two, two, one.
0: You're listening to American Slacker Podcast with Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. I drive crazy.
1: To American Soccer Podcast, as always,
0: I'm Matt, and I am Jesse, and today we are joined by our guest Jonathan Lar. Thank you for coming on, man.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Would you mind uh, telling your uh, our audience a little bit about yourself, some of your background?
2: Sure. So I'm an entertainment attorney. I grew up in Connecticut, a town called New Canaan, which I always describe as rich, white, and terrible. <laughs> uh, went to school at Tufts outside of Boston, law school in San Diego. Moved up here about 12 years ago. After law school, I realized I wanted to do artist management and law, which doesn't really exist unless you create it for yourself. So I started my own artist management company. Did that for a number of years, managed 20-something artists, and then a couple of years ago, closed down that side just to do the legal side. And one of my first clients was a special thing records, which is a stand-up comedy record label. And they also do podcasts, so that's where the podcast idea came as I negotiated some podcasts with them and as I did that, I realized there was no real central resource for podcast information when you're looking at a music contrast a contract, for example, there are books you can open, you can know what the advance should be, what the royalties should be, but for podcasts, there was nothing so in that Spirit, I wrote an article uh for a law journal that I edit and posted it up on Reddit this week. And it seems to be getting a good reception.
0: Yeah, I had a chance to come across it on Reddit and, and uh read over it, which is when I had reached out to you and I said, I want to talk about this on the show. Uh you, there's a lot of interesting ideas in there regarding advertising and just like the cop- like the copyright who actually owns the intellectual property, that kind of stuff. And with this being such a new industry. I guess it like less than a decade older. It seems like in terms of like main mainstream recognition. That's it's it's a Wild West scenario. It seems like.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, and it it still strikes me as so strange that, you know, Spotify is spending five hundred million dollars to buy a podcast related company and there's so much money but there's no structure at least legally in terms of you know, what You know, there's certain things that are kind of standard, like the way ads work and the pre-roll, mid-roll, end-roll, that sort of thing. But for the most part, there's no real, you know, standards in place.
0: Yeah. That kind of leaves it open for interpretation to whoever's writing the contract, I guess.
2: Exactly. And generally that's the company, which means the podcaster is going to get screwed.
1: Very similar to the the music industry.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so there's a book called All You Need to Know About the Music Business by a lawyer named Don Passman, who is Adele's attorney and Taylor Swift on that level. And I think it was like 20 years ago. But yeah, that was the first real effort where people could read it and be like, okay, I know this is what my royalty range should be. So I know when I'm really getting screwed. And a lot of companies weren't happy that he wrote it for that reason. But it kind of democratized that field in a lot of ways.
1: Well, yeah, I feel like as a consumer, a lot of people never realize like when they're buying these records, you know, very, very little percentage was going to the actual artist. And in the end, a lot of great talents ended up with their fortune being very minimal and they ended up losing it, you know, with nothing to show for, you know, some of the music that's playing today on the radio, you know, still to this day.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of famous examples. Elvis's manager was Mm -hmm. one who took 50% of everything Elvis ever earned. So after that, there's a law about the most a manager can take. There's also another one, ABBA, where basically two of them made everything and the other two got nothing. There's a lot of examples like that throughout the music industry. Jeez.
0: And is that just uh, people essentially being taken advantage of from the start?
2: Yeah, usually. I mean, it's hard because, you know, they sign a bad deal and they end up stuck in it, especially, you know, in California, um, you can only have a deal for seven years maximum with this type of contract, but seven years can sometimes be a whole career. That's true. Yeah. it's You know, and a lot of people also think understandably, you know, they don't want to put the money forward for a lawyer and it's a couple thousand dollars, but they don't see the savings that they'll possibly get on the other side. You know, it's a,
0: or the legal headaches or battles that you will end up having to go through. Yeah. It's
2: not like buying a piece of equipment or buying something solid. You don't know what you're paying for. And ideally if you're paying for something good, you'll never know what you're paying for. But if you don't, then, you know, it's good to have it.
0: It's kind of like insurance in that way.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw a lot of um, uh, juxtapositions in your article uh, between the and actually, for since we haven't uh, named it, it uh, the article is the systemization of podcast law, bringing structure into chaos, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it is pretty chaotic right now. It definitely uh, is. Do you do you think that the taking that structure of what's been laid out for a lot of musicians is the most applicable? to the podcast world?
2: I think in some ways, I mean, I think in terms of uh, performance royalties and mechanical royalties, which we can get into, that's more technical, that structure probably makes sense, but it's also a huge mess. So, you know, it's gonna kind of take, ideally it would take some sort of group of the few podcast lawyers there are of us and try to put something in place. More likely it'll be some sort of litigation and it'll get really ugly. Oh. You know, the article was a, hopefully an attempt to get around that, but it might be unavoidable.
0: Well, it's starting conversations, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was very insightful, and there, there's a lot uh, worth, worth noting from it. The one thing I wanted to ask, though, is like, what do you think the, like, the best thing an indie podcaster can do to protect themselves is? Is it like, should they lawyer up immediately as soon as they have an idea?
2: I don't know. As soon as they have an idea, I mean, if they have an idea, they might want to at least trademark the name of the podcast. That's probably a good start. Um, Try to figure out, you know, understand the difference between a hosting company an advertising company a distribution company, figure out exactly what they need and where they need to go. And then when they get those contracts in, I mean, I mentioned in the article that most hosting companies are kind of take it or leave it contracts, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate but at least be able to understand what's in there and what you're signing.
0: Yeah, because I mean, for, I guess, uh, uh, to be like open and clear about it, we host on Libsyn Mm -hmm. and and we have looked into their advertising, um, like section or whatever, but I think you even stated in the article, it's like a 50 50 sort of deal with them. So that it just doesn't, even if like you are getting those download numbers that you need, is that the best that you can do? Are you better off going off on your own? You know, there's a lot of questions that are sort of left up to like a lot of pathways you could go down.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I designed the article definitely as a starting point. You know, I, I went with as many contracts as I could access to and as many people as I could speak with, but I would love to get as many more as I can and try to make it a more robust sort of data set, uh, but that was as much as I could get access to. There aren't that many lawyers doing it and there are ones doing it. Some of them weren't receptive to talking about it mm-hmm. and some companies I spoke with just don't use contracts at all, which <laughs> obviously <laughs> I think is stupid.
0: Um, cause then it's anyone can do anything.
2: Exactly. Yeah. and There's some of a tradition. There's some like management, artist management companies that don't use contracts cause they say, you know, if you're happy with us, you're happy with us and that's great and that's fine. But from a legal point of view, obviously that makes any lawyer uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're always better having it in writing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes people think, you know, you want to put it in writing, it makes it too formal. It's going to scare people off. But it's just, it's just, I feel like if you're working with the right person, you're going to want to have everything laid out as clearly as possible. That makes sense.
1: And one thing that's similar, I think that's going to become an issue in the future with podcasting is, uh, you know, these third party sites that are players that potentially could end up, you know, copying your podcast and playing it without you being able to tell, you know, the play stats, you know, anything like that, which is kind of a little, it's a gray area as well, because your sponsors aren't going to know, you're not going to be able to show. So that's a big deal in the podcast world as well.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. That'd be something good to add too. There needs to be some sort of centralized system for you know streams and somewhere to keep track of it no matter where it's sort of played you know and if they're and if it's and if they're taking your episodes then are they taking your copyright you know they probably are but then what can you do about it is the question also and you know that gets difficult you can send them you know cease and desist type letters which are always mm. right <laughs> uh, there needs to be some sort of penalty and if there's nothing you can do if they don't take it down then they can kind of just tell you to you know uh, screw yourself essentially.
1: I know there's been like a kind of a stir up in the podcast community lately because there's a newer company that just opened with a big budget and uh, they're they're a player and they actually have like a lot of podcasts on there that like, you know, we didn't like sign up to put our, mm. our podcasts on there, but they probably have you on there type of deal.
2: Yeah, that seems like a problem. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's
0: pod catcher sites that, you know, they'll scrape all the RSS feeds mm. from. Yeah. <laughs> and essentially and I even heard I don't want to name names because I don't want to get it wrong but there was a company that was putting ads other ads into the exactly podcasts
1: that's what I was getting towards yeah yeah so it's like we're not even getting the revenue from that but our podcast could be on there and they could be playing mid-roll of just some random thing that we have no association with because we're very picky about who we even interact with like you know it's going to be something we would use or like you know, we would like not.
0: We can back. One thing mentioned in in the uh, your article uh, was the morality clause of you know if I don't want to adver some, advertise something because I'm morally morally objecting to it, then I should be have that right to say you can't put that ad in my in my podcast.
2: Absolutely, and that's a big equivalent with recording contracts where you know if they don't want to record something because they find it objectionable for whatever reason, they need to have the right to object to it. Mm-hmm. And podcast advertising should certainly, you know, you guys, and that's you know, a good point for indie podcasters too, is at least try it if you sign a hosting agreement to get some sort of moral rights in there if it's not in there, you know, yeah. your advertising. It's crazy just because you
0: never, you never know if it's happening either. It could be, you yeah. know, the podcast players are popping up every day.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I guess they assume that they're just going to get ahead of the law and then whatever happens, happens. but you know, eventually uh, I imagine they're going to run into issues. Kind of risky. Yeah. Yeah. But that seems to be the tech model in a lot of ways is just ignore the law for a while and then hope they have enough money eventually to change the law or fight it.
0: Yeah. The law is always chasing new technology. It seems.
2: Yeah. Law law is constantly years behind technology.
1: Hey everyone. This is
2: Steve. And this is Adam.
1: And we're part of the hop nation USA podcast, Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation.
0: Uh, what inspired you to write the article? Was it just are you a uh, a podcast listener yourself?
2: Yeah, I've been listening to podcasts for. I mean, I don't know what the actual first podcasts were, but I mean Smodcast, Kevin Smith's podcast, and mm. Adam Carolla's. Oh, yeah, some of the earliest ones. Yeah, so I've been listening. He's since,
1: like one of the OGs. Carolla's like I think yeah, responsible. I don't
2: know who the official, you know, first one was, but I know those two were very early on.
1: So yeah, yeah I've been listening
2: to podcasts since then. Any any other favorites you could name? Uh, I mean, it changes a little bit. I mean, I've been enjoying uh, Conan's podcast a lot lately. I like that one. Um,
0: I've heard good things about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, Sam Jones, his podcast is really interesting. He gets good guests. And then um, My Dad Wrote a Porno. You know, that one is always, it's a, it's a unique concept. I mean, the popularity of that one is surprising, just how big it's become. Yeah. That's interesting, too.
0: To the point of tour, as we we're discussing before the show, touring.
2: And- yeah. yeah I, mean, I think they sold out the Sydney Opera House like more than yeah. one. Insane. Yeah. yeah. That, that's I mean, crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, intro to podcasting if you look up like what podcasts to listen to today, you're going to find that podcast on yeah. there among like Joe Rogan, you know, like the biggest hitters of all. You're going to yeah. find that podcast. And it's amazing because it was just an organic start of people hanging out, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think is serial still the most downloaded one? I'm not into the true crime mm, stuff as much. Probably yeah. Yeah. I think might still
1: NPR be. has a big, you know, hit on it too. You'll oh, find yeah, all the NPR podcasts are up top.
0: Yeah. It's uh and even going back to like uh, say Mark Marin, he's had the uh, the pre- sitting president yeah. at the time on his mm. show, but mm-hmm. we're working still in an industry that doesn't really have laws that cover It's remarkable show that he was on. Like,
1: (laughs) that's that's very interesting to look at it like that. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. But yeah, he like literally had Secret Service like scan his house a week before, just (laughs) so we could have him come to his like garage and record a podcast.
2: Yeah, and they had like snipers and stuff. I remember listening to that episode. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy that you know they have all that and podcasts are that level of visibility. Mm -hmm. The legal structure behind it is just non-existent.
0: Yeah. So what do you see the future sort of looking like, uh, you know, five or 10 or even 20 years down the line for like podcasts and, and how the law views them?
2: I mean, hopefully, you know, there are a lot of different areas uh, in terms of advertising. You know, I think the advertising system set in place seems to be pretty good. Um, you know, tagging something copyright wise, that's difficult even with music, trying to keep track of where stuff is played. There's a lot of talk of, you know, some sort of uh, not Bitcoin, but what's the technology? Yeah, some sort of way to trace your songs and keep you know the information with it. Okay. So that's difficult to figure out. But I mean, whether it becomes like record labels, you know, where you have more earwolves and more distribution companies that are more centralized. Maybe you know, if the problem is the recording industry model is really falling apart too. So it'll probably have to be its own new thing, and whether it's even possible to kind of get together and organize that or just let it happen organically, it'll probably have to be some combination of the two. So it'll probably be something like music, a little bit like film and TV and something brand new. Yeah. yeah
0: it's, it, there are a lot of elements to it.
2: Yeah. Mm. There are elements that really touch on so many areas of law and so many areas in general that you have to try to figure out. And especially when you get, hundreds of millions of dollars involved. That obviously changes things also. You know, that brings things on a new level.
1: It gets weird too because it, say it's a live podcast. Then the network that takes on the show and does the funding and all that it takes on the liability of whatever that person does. They could snap at any fucking moment. <laughs> you know, bizarre, like berserk in the middle of a show that... You know, eight million people are tuned into, so it's yeah. it's even worse than like say network television and how they were so uptight about like what they put
2: on live. Yeah, exactly, and that's a good point. So let's say, you know, then in a contract that you sign for a live show, is there some sort of clause that says they can cut it if something like that happens? You know, do you add something like that in, just trying to, you know, basically trying to protect?
1: Oh, man, and that's getting that gets crazy because then it's like, as the creator, you're you're cutting freedom of speech because it's like. You know, no matter how comfortable you are, at the back of your mind, you're always going to know they have the potential to just, like, pull the plug on you in the middle of, like, anything. If You're getting racy. Exactly. I mean, I see podcasts, they're stretching the realm of thinking more than anything today. I mean, fuck cable TV. We can't (laughs) rely on that. The news that comes from TV is the worst upon the worst. The internet is confusing as fuck to people that don't know where they need to go to get honest news. It's not bias. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But podcasts, you get, you know, conversations like this, you know, you just get people talking and you get the real element of everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the best part of it is the long form interview. And just to, you know, I listen to a lot of uh, comedians or uh, podcasts with comedians and they talk about how, you know, you go on a late show and it's five minute segment and you have to be funny, 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 and everything is predetermined. Whereas you go on a more long form, like a Dax Shepard kind of podcast and you can just talk, you know, you don't have to, you know, it's a lot more honest. And I think that's where a lot of popularity comes from.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. You don't get that tonight show bullshit where it's like a bunch of writers that write the same shit every week. Yeah. (laughs) They're just trying to outdo last week and it's just corny as hell. And, you know, it's just, it's more authentic.
2: And you have to run your stories by someone beforehand and they have to, you know, let you know whether that's funny or not and all that. Too
1: Too many cooks in the
2: kitchen. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It's a wild it's a wild game right now with podcasting. And uh, I feel like it's, it's going to open up to a lot of people getting taken advantage of. So it's good to see, you know, people that are starting to think about the law to protect these artists, you know, because I mean, that's what it is. You know, you see a lot of people coming up with these ideas that millions of people are fucking into mm-hmm. That's art. And I mean, there's money to be made off that. And yeah, whether it's exactly. going to be like, the creator or some middleman that just figures out how to take advantage of the creator. Like we've seen in history with every different industry, really. Yeah.
2: yeah and unfortunately it seems that, yeah, that happens more often than not. And when there's a lot of money involved, there's always going to be people trying to screw over the talent. Yeah. And you know, the most, you know, obviously I got into this to protect talent as much as I could. So as much as I can help them, you know, that's what I want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what's intriguing. It's because he it came from the music industry. The, one of the most skewed, I mean that in the film industry, you know, they take advantage of people to create the art, you know, the actors, the, the musicians, yeah. they really, they fall vulnerable these days, unless they're, they're grinding enough to make their own label and do the smart break off move. Like, you know, very few do, but
2: yeah, exactly. I be interested to see whether You know, there are more distribution companies in the future and then it becomes more DIY like the music industry has where if you're hip hop or pop, you know, a major label makes sense, but otherwise, you know, it really doesn't. And even if you're, you know, Chance the Rapper, you you can go totally outside the system.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. EDM too. EDM is yeah, a big um, a independent. I mean, everybody, fuck the labels in EDM. Yeah. I mean, no no labels own anybody. I mean, you got people like Marshmallow who are just going ham.
0: I was mm-hmm. even going to say post Malone, he kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, true. You just yeah. sort of subvert it and make your way in. But that's almost the, uh, the fallacy of like, oh, that's the one that made it, you know, versus yeah. all yeah. the other ones who are trying that you don't see.
2: It's interesting too, because a lot of people said the labels are going to die off and in some ways they are, but in some ways they're more important than ever because everyone's recording something. So the only way to get through all that noise is to have the millions of dollar ad campaign behind you. That's true. So in some ways they're more mm-hmm. important because you know, podcast there's a similar analogy where there are so many and it's great that anyone can do it, but how do you get noticed?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. easy trying to get above that noise and actually stand out is really difficult even if you do have you know decent uh production value and cool ideas and stuff like that if no one knows where to find you
2: yeah and if you're not you know or someone like that who obviously attracts attention
0: Mm -hmm. then you gotta do something viral that's the only
1: way to do it
2: yeah
0: then you might need a lawyer depending on what it is you did
1: And a high tolerance for pain. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> some of those things are crazy.
0: Now, I was wondering, like, you know, most entertainment in some way is kind of regulated uh, on like a back-end basis by the FCC usually, right? I mean, they're they involved with uh, the music. and Yeah,
2: the FCC, they govern radio. Okay. typically just terrestrial radio. So, like, satellite radio is not governed by the FCC. Okay. It's one of the main reasons that Howard Stern jumped over. The satellite uh, radio. Okay, um, I,
0: I was wondering if that if that organ or, well governmental organization is actually going to have an impact on podcasts at some point in time.
2: I mean, probably not, just because it, it's so different from terrestrial radio. Okay, it's probably more equivalent to satellite than to anything else. But yeah, you, know, you have problem. to seek it out. In right? terms
0: of like uh, you know if if there's something objectionable on television, wouldn't they be the ones to report? and do a report to, and then the FCC hands out the television license Yeah, Yeah, they are
2: exactly. So,
0: are they going to make a podcast license down the line yeah. that we're going to have to apply for?
2: Well, that's a good point. <laughs> you have to ask the question, and this is what's always fun about talking with lawyers is there's nothing's ever a yes or no answer. Um, <laughs> you ask yourself the question of whether a podcast is more similar to satellite radio or more similar to TV or more similar to terrestrial radio, and hmm. the answer is I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If anything, out of those three, I'd say
0: satellite radio, but it's still like only half of the equation.
2: Yeah, I and I'm like. sure if someone starts doing, you know, the the shock level equivalent of what Howard Stern was doing in the 80s and 90s <laughs> on podcasts, someone will get up in arms and there'll be some sort of petition and something and who knows what can happen from that. But
1: yeah, at that point, it's it, podcasting is still, no matter what, it's a seek in and enjoy entertainment. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, it's fed to you from every major cable plan in America from spectrum and Verizon. Not yet. You have. Yeah. Still. Yeah. 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 But that's a different thing. Like that's if the whole market changes, no matter what, it's an independent sourced. Yeah. You know, unless you're owned by a network, that's a different thing. But like going, it's still, you have to seek it out and download it to enjoy it. So I feel like there's some kind of freedom in that, like that should protect you. It's like, we're not out there on fucking major cable. That's coming into every home. So
0: you're saying because the podcast isn't right in your
1: face that like, they shouldn't be able to complain about it. Yeah. Like, I mean, wh- what the fuck, man? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm a big, <laughs> I love the freedom of speech. Like I, I just don't understand. Like, you know, if you, if you're saying it, don't enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, don't download it.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, no, I agree, but it's interesting. Like, there was a billboard right in the corner of where I live for Will Ferrell's podcast. Mm-hmm. So there's starting to be podcast billboards at this point. So uh, the
1: Ron Burgundy
2: one? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Not in. You know, I gotta say, I wasn't impressed. I was like, it was a weak character piece.
2: Oh yeah, I haven't, I haven't checked. I mean, I mean, honestly, I downloaded it, but I haven't checked it out. Yeah, I don't know if the character would work for.
1: Spoil it for you. Or give me a tone before you that. go into it. I.
2: But yeah,
0: you <laughs> I guess to Jonathan, to your point, like then it isn't right in your face and it's like anyone could go check it out. And if it doesn't say it's explicit or something like something yeah. small like that, what are they liable for at that point? It's, it's so, it gets so muddled so quickly.
2: Yeah. And it's like one of the things I mentioned in the article is talking about weed advertising on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's allowed in California, but obviously podcasts are accessible from anywhere and it's yeah. only allowed in California under certain conditions. So what covers it if some, you know, 12 year old listens to a podcast and hears about, you know, weed, what does that mean? How does that get regulated or what happens?
0: Right. Because I think some of the regulations for that were making sure that the audience base is mostly over 21.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And there was some sort of, they had to figure out, I don't know how they get the numbers, but yeah, some percentage of the listeners have to be over 21.
0: And that's what I was wondering is like, we get some statistics about our downloads and stuff, but I don't think it breaks it down by gender because not at all. you're not, yeah. you're not putting that yeah. in or gender or age or any of that or race yeah, or anything no. like that. It's just, you know, maybe location. At most.
2: Yeah. And that's a question too. And then who pays to have that data done? You know, do you guys have to pay for it? Does, you know, Libsyn have to pay for it? Does, you know, where does, you know, someone has to find out that data? And I don't know what the government intended with that. Probably they had no idea. But (laughs) yeah, exactly. It costs money to get that.
0: Do you think it's going to be like we're going to see some solid laws within the next like decade or so?
2: Uh, Decade is probably a good timeline. (laughs) I know it takes time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's something called the Music Modernization Act, which was just passed, which involved increasing royalty rates for uh, musicians on Spotify and things like that. Nice. I know that was a big issue. Yeah, that was a big issue. But I think it took, you know, years just to get that done. And yeah. And it was 10, 20 years before that even became a thing. And now Spotify is still fighting that, you know, iTunes and yeah. Apple have said, we're okay with it. Spotify has appealed um, the decision from the copyright board.
0: Apple's making enough off their phones that they don't need to worry about <laughs> the lost revenue. on that. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've had artists on complaining about it quite a bit. I oh mean, yeah, sure. Insane, yeah. And it's sickening honestly when you think about artists getting taken advantage of like that. Whether whatever industry it is, you know.
0: Well that be- yeah. because you think about how many artists are on Spotify. So many. Everybody. and how, how much revenue that's making for them and really it's the artists themselves that are Well yeah,
1: one. it's scary because there's like a million people that are like long gone. So it's like, where does that go? Is it really going to the family members or is it going to some sketchy ass record label execs yeah. and it's just disgusting, man. Every time you hit yeah. play, because you love this classic song, you're feeding the pockets some dirty, fat, <laughs> fucking greedy bastard, you know? It's like, Hi, oh. Matt, Don't
0: yeah. get out of your seat, man. Calm down.
1: <laughs> I get pissed. I really, the music industry disgusts me because of that whole... Thing you well, know,
0: we've talked. We've talked to a lot of local bands and stuff who have been really yeah. dis, uh, y- you know, or t- trot, downtrodden essentially mm-hmm. because yeah. Of, like,
2: one the of the best band. bands I found was a rock band, and before I met them, they signed a bad deal. You know, it was a seven-year deal. It was you know almost as many albums as that, which is a whole career. And you know, they were twenty years old and got paid ten thousand dollars, and they're like, "This is amazing. This is all the money in the world." Uh. And yeah, they just got totally fucked and they basically had no career because they, just, they could only release something under this label and the label ended up being super shitty to them and they couldn't get out of it. You know, by the time they got me involved, I, was, I did as much as I could, but you know, I tell my artists that it's easier not to fuck something up than to unfuck it up afterwards. You know, unfucking something up is very difficult and expensive.
1: Yeah. Well I can literally say the record industry has killed numerous project bands that I mm-hmm. love and adore. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there's numerous bands that I can, like, think of right now that, just, like, they got fucked bad record deals and got held up because, like, people wanted to fucking, you know, control the, what they were creating, and it just ended up with the end of a career. The band breaks yeah. up after a shitty long deal. They make music they don't want to make, uh-huh. you know? It just... Now uh, I,
0: I always wonder though, what's stopping the the band from essentially starting the band under a different name and like playing different uh, because music? because they
2: might not they might not own the name they might not own the music if they signed a really bad deal the record label could own the name they could own you know the copyright to it hmm. I mean I think like in Guns N' Roses most. case I think Axel owned the name and most of the music so oh. Oh. you know they, unless you know it took them that long to get back together but I believe that. Yeah, he owned all of that. Hmm. So it depends on who owns it. And talking about legacy bands, is interesting. Um, I know someone who is actually a legacy manager. So what he does is he manages dead artists, essentially. He manages you know, Janice Joplin's estate and the Ramones. Oh, wow. So he was one of the first. There are other people who did that, but he was the first to kind of make it his niche. And that was one of my inspirations to bring it back to me, um, to try to find something unique and that no one was really doing is that he found this and he's been very successful doing something that you know was there before and no one had really done yet that's wow it, that's
0: an interesting yeah. uh, niche on it
1: you know yeah like thinking like how the beatles writes floating up in the air like michael jackson yeah. and, and then you know like god knows where they are now i have no idea but like yeah, it's
2: especially if they die without a will which often happens you know What do they do with the old recordings? To you know, the the family wants to release them to make money, and they probably don't want to release them. And you know, it just becomes you know, lawyers make a lot of money off that, but no one else really comes out of that well.
0: Some old Tupac tracks making a bunch of people real rich.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Tupac thing. That's a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I had. I had someone approach me who was. He said he was one of the heads of Death Row Records. Who knows. Hmm. But he was like, can you, can you help me, you know, find some of these old artists and get them some money? And I would have been happy to do it, but it was just like delving into that whole thing, it seemed like, I don't, just, uh, I don't know if I could get in there. Like there's a lot of stuff to wade through.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. There's there's a little bit of baggage with that label. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> I can't imagine, a little bit? I can't, be little much, little I can't bit. imagine how much was written down. <laughs> there's probably not <laughs> too, not too many contracts that say, you know, <laughs>
1: Original CEO is only sitting in prison for life for running <laughs> oh my
2: God. for what he's
1: been proved for, at least running yeah. down some fucking dudes at the gas station.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's just what he got caught for.
1: Right. Yeah. God knows. I mean, shit, man. It's so, I mean, off topic, but sketchy that we'll never ever fucking know. <laughs> kill yeah. of the best fucking rappers yeah, yeah. of all time. Seriously. Sketchy. If yeah. fucking Joe Schmo gets killed down the block for me. No matter who killed him, if it was random, fucking forensics is going to find that. Like, it's so weird, man.
2: the whole, uh, Do you know the Vanilla Ice sugar Knight story? Oh,
1: you God, know? no. Please yeah. tell me. So
2: basically, obviously, Vanilla Ice wrote Ice Ice Baby, and Sugar Knight wanted the rights, so the story is that Sugar Knight held him over a balcony by his feet, like hanging upside <laughs> up over a balcony to make him give up the rights to that song. Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: did he get the rights? Like does he uh, own? It? I don't
2: believe so. Yeah, I think he owns, owns the rights. I just think Shadow owns the rights oh to that song. I guess he didn't
1: <laughs> need a lawyer in that situation. <laughs> it wasn't the beat like ripped off of a David Bowie song?
2: Under Pressure. Under, yeah, under Pressure.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Pick a better song if you're going to fucking <laughs> yoke up the artist to steal it. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, there was a lot of great acts back then. <laughs> yeah.
0: Listen, this podcast contains language that some may find offensive. The hosts are a couple of alcohol-fueled hooligans with little regard for decency or tap. Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Danny. And this is the Working Stiss Podcast. And this is our promo for the Working Stiss Podcast. Uh, so what, what are we about, Zach? What do we do? Drinking the Balls. We do today we're not <laughs> drinking though, because I'm sick. Gotta uh, work. So I yeah. can't drink today. Yeah. And this is kinda what we do. We banter back and forth. We talk about stuff, and sometimes we have some guests on. Yeah. Uh, we like to, to highlight the working class of America, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yep. So it. if you're into that, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, google play and pretty much wherever else you can find podcasts we're probably there we're on twitter we're on facebook we have a website workingstiffspodcast.com we're special yep listen to us and that's pretty much it wrap up this promo lift with your sack not your back all right get your asses back to work later So your background is mostly uh, music, it it seems. And it even said that you are a recovering artist manager. I thought thought the phrasing was kind of interesting on that. I figured there's a story.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed artist management and it's nice to be that close to the artist. But it's a lot of, you know, calling a hundred venues and trying to find booking agents and reaching out to people and just the amount of busy work is just really incredible. And I liked the the intellectual aspects, the legal side more. So that's the main reason I switched over is just because the amount of repetitive tasks involved in artist management are just overwhelming.
0: What, What do they entail?
2: It's a lot of like, you know, let's say a band's going on tour. So it's finding venues that they can play at. It's finding hotels. It's know, figuring out travel, Mm. figuring out gas, figuring out, you know, van rentals, figuring out, you know, all the details you can imagine. And that's just, you know, a tour. You know, if they're (laughs) recording an album, it's, you know, making sure they're sticking to a recording schedule, making sure that they're actually going to release anything. You know, I've had the first artist I ever worked with built a recording studio in their backyard, which was great, but they never released anything because they spent time, you know, trying to make it note for note perfect no oh, man just yeah. Not
1: possible. Heard of that. yeah
2: I mean that's one nice thing about analog you know and tapes is you just couldn't do that you know with technology you can try to perfect it and you can get stuck there and it's scary to release something but the procrastinators
0: mm. dream digital
2: exactly yeah you have to realize that it's never gonna be perfect it's just yeah. not possible
1: man that's a tough that's a tough gig man being mom mm-hmm Big in, and then, man, traveling sucks alone. Like, if you got to worry about you, or like, you know, like whatever. But like, fucking a band, yeah, of Misfits. I mean, let's be real. Musicians are flaky. They're like doing their own things at the same time. You're just trying to keep them netted together. It's like hurting
2: yeah. uh, her, cats.
1: Exactly. <laughs> man, exactly. That's a, that's good. I like that.
2: Yeah. So, so your mom, your dad, your psychologist, your oh, man, all of the above.
1: You got to know what problems are going on with the drummer. The drummer's exactly, fucking yeah. broke up with his girlfriend. He's yeah. fucking feeling it.
2: Yeah, like I had a the second or third band I worked with. The lead singer was dating the guitar player. So as soon as they broke up, that's oh. when, you know, the band died because that works for No Doubt and pretty much no one else.
1: <laughs> I have enjoyed the perspective of some managers over the years, you know, because they, they get to sit back and watch the craziness unfold, you know, but not be part of it almost so they get to remember it.
2: Yeah. And they're you know? also some crazy. I mean, there are great stories of like Peter Grant, who was Led Zeppelin's manager, was just an absolute uh, insane, crazy person.
1: Fucking there private, the first band private jetting.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, punching people and getting oh and stuff like that, trying to get money. And there's a famous story of, they played some festival and they didn't pay him enough. So he had paid a helicopter to fly over the crowd and take photos. And he made a poster of the entire crowd and counted everyone who was there. It's like, <laughs> people were there you're fucking us on royalties this is how many people this amount (laughs) wow that's
1: who you want representing you (laughs) 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 oh my god he's like give me the fucking helicopter tour place now yeah Yeah, exactly
0: that's a crazy story holy shit
1: yeah you know and it's it's interesting because you know the podcasting world's so new i mean i I can only imagine what we're going to come into because i mean you got podcasts that people are becoming mega stars just because of podcasts now. And it's, it's so interesting to see this, you know, on top, I mean, we also have, you know, plenty of people getting famous being Instagram models, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's, it's unrepresented. And I mean, it's going to be a, a fucking interesting story to
2: see unfold. Yeah. I mean, I think YouTube celebrities are a little further along in terms of representation and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And certainly, you know, the money they're making. Seems um,
1: closer to Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Willie Paul's in a rock movie. I mean, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, and it's a question of, you know, what talent will come out of that. I mean, obviously, I'm 37, so I'm a little bit older. So, I mean, I don't know how talented the people will be that come out of that. I think Bo Burnham sort of came out of the YouTube world. He's the only one I really know of who seems legitimately talented. He had a lot
0: of success uh, in, like, the youngest uh, Comedy Central special, I believe. Yeah,
2: he had that and then, you know, 8th Grade. And it was yep. a big hit too, and that was his first movie.
1: I think Practical Jokers are the biggest example I could think of. They run, you know, they basically are keeping a whole TV channel afloat. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, and they started on YouTube. A bunch of guys just fucking.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. Around.
1: And uh, yeah, now they they have the you know the biggest one. Of, I think it's one of the biggest shows on fucking network cable.
0: Really?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah it, a lot it, of people-
0: it plays like. Twenty four seven on True <laughs> TV or whatever. That is. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is a pretty popular show. Um, They're up
0: there with Steve Harvey for like daytime TV appearances.
1: And as far as YouTube talent, I mean, I don't think of anybody else. It's like you know, you know, in mo- in a movie that popular or a TV that popular at least. Yeah,
0: I know yeah. YouTube's tried to do sort of their own thing where they've made their own uh, movies with their Originals. original stars.
1: The Crota kid, yeah. bro. I got it. Oh, I I, I, I have them. slept on it. I got to see it. Have you guys
2: done it? I watched like, the first couple episodes. I didn't get into it, but I have yeah. heard good things about it. There's just so much TV at this point. It's like, you watch one or two episodes, and if it's not amazing, you can kind of move on to the next show. You know, right. And You
1: were movies. you were a Karate Kid fan growing up?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, of course. I
1: figured. We're, in, we're almost the same age. I'm 31, so like yeah. we grew up with the good 80s shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's sad. I'm, I'm still going to check it out. Got to yeah, give Daniel... Chance. So
0: so I have to say, Jonathan, I've noticed from your career path and just from the article that you've written, the order to chaos thing, or I'm sorry, chaos to order thing seems to be your, uh, your go-to <laughs> MO, you know, yeah. between these artists that you had to wrangle and get them into places at certain times to, uh, you looking at this whole medium of podcasting and saying, I want to find a way to categorize all this in a way so that no one gets screwed over.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think every lawyer is going to be pretty anal. I don't know how I rank, probably more on the anal side than most. But yeah, I mean, I like trying to organize things and get stuff, you know, into clean and clear systems. And that's part of the reason I like what I do is because, you know, reading a contract is certainly boring, but there's a satisfaction to getting it all nice and right and, you know, to look proper and to understand it and that whole process from... Of getting stuff organized is yeah definitely kind of the driving force behind my career well it's a it's a useful uh
0: motive to have <laughs> for sure um is your house immaculate i'm just wondering now like, I, know, jokes, I, motherfucker. I, live, I live
2: with my girlfriend <laughs> so fortunately she's able to help out with that
0: there you go not- well, i'm just line <laughs> i'm just thinking if he likes order it must be you know everything has its place yeah yeah
2: that's
0: true <laughs> well th- this has been great man i is there, I know that you had suggested one book. What It was all, all you need to know
2: about the music industry? Is that what about the music business? Yeah, by Don Passman. And that's really the Bible. I mean, it's and it's great because it's accessible to everyone, but it's also what lawyers use. And it's really, yeah, anyone who's signing a record deal or a publishing deal or anything like that is, yeah, it's, it's the way to go to do. And I mean, obviously, my dream eventually is to write the podcast version of that book. You know, oh. that's down the road, but the article was kind of the first step, I feel like, towards something along those lines.
0: I feel like we look forward to reading that, I can say for both of us.
2: Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> Hell yeah. that. Hell yeah, man.
0: What was it like starting uh, your law firm? Because you founded it, right?
2: I did. Yeah, I founded it and it's just me, uh, sole attorney. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, going after clients and sometimes you will be busy and then you will be miserable because there's too much going on. And then you won't have any clients. and You'll be miserable because there's not enough going on. You kind of <laughs> ping pong between those extremes. Yeah. And then you also have to handle, you know, the business side and the money and all the financial aspects of having a business and all of that. So it's, it's a lot like any small business owner. Mm. Plus
0: knowing <laughs> the law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, yeah. That. plus that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just plus. That. If you own a bakery, you could burn some bread, but like, <laughs> <laughs> You've you got something wrong, people are going to jail, you know?
2: Yeah, well, fortunately, I only do entertainment stuff. So people aren't getting screwed that badly. I, I looked into – like, I worked for uh, uh, the DA my first summer after law school to the district attorney, and I realized I did not want to be in court or do that or have that much responsibility. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that.
1: Oh, yeah, that, man, yeah. We've had experience with court. Position. Nobody wants to ever endure that as a career. Come on. No,
2: I couldn't imagine. It's. I mean, I understand, like, the public – aspect of it. And I like talking in front of people and, you know, speaking, but yeah, just I couldn't imagine wanting to be in court all the time.
1: Yeah. Being that kind of public servant sucks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then also, even then, I mean, there are too many lawyers, not enough jobs and that's a hard job to get. I mean, there's, there's very few easy legal jobs to get at this point, unless you're, you don't want to move somewhere that's less popular than, you know, Los Angeles or New York or San Francisco. So yeah. is the
0: career path generally, it's either like go work for another established firm or open one yourself?
2: Yeah, pretty similar. I mean, generally like law is very regimented. So like the, uh, your law school class will be divided up by your grades. So the top 10% of your class, everyone will know who that is and they get the big law firm jobs. And that's, you know, $200,000 a year to start. Wow. But also you're working, you know, seven days a week for years and years and killing yourself doing it. So that's the trade-off. And then there's smaller firms people can go to. There's government work, not only uh, being a public defender or a district attorney, which are, you know, both sides of the criminal, but working for the government itself. And then, yeah, starting your own thing. You have to sort of have the entrepreneurial desire to do it Mm because it's it's a different skill set from a lot of other things.
0: Oh, yeah, and the drive, too. I mean, like with any small business, it's going to take up the majority of your time.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's probably going to take up almost as much time as a big law firm job is, but it's just you're doing it for yourself, which feels a little bit better.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you picked a really cool uh, like spectrum of law to get into for sure. I mean, entertainment, at least you're hanging out with celebrities, hopefully, as opposed to, you know, a, a murderer.
1: <laughs> oh God!
0: I say nothing against murderers, but I guess I, I don't really have to not offend murderers. So.
1: you go right oh, for the top. <laughs> I was thinking.
2: I guess Ted Bundy and uh, Charles Manson are celebrities again. So <laughs> well, uh. it all comes back around, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, are there any other um, like books or anything that you would suggest people read? Maybe resources online uh, where they could, if they're an indie podcaster, educate themselves a little bit more.
2: Um, that's a good question. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, I would try to get as many contracts as you can. Some of the hosting companies just had kind of like a, um, they had the terms and conditions online so you can look around and see what's different between those. Mm -hmm. Just try to get your hands on as many actual contracts as you can and just try to compare them. But unfortunately it's hard. You know, I would talk to other podcasters, see what their deal is, see what kind of their numbers look like and try to figure out, you know, based on your level or where you're starting out at and just involve yourself in the community and try to kind of DIY it. You know, unfortunately, that seems to be the best resource at this moment.
0: Well, podcasters are pretty good at DIY and stuff. So yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: best yeah. of luck to us all. Yeah, It's an exactly.
1: interesting market. I mean, you see that, like, it's being developed by the people that are fucking just like fucking doing it in their home bases, you know? yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's unlike anything else.
2: Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, there'll be a good resource for start sharing, you know, ad, ad revenue necessarily, but, you know, what percentages you're getting and mm. numbers you're getting and kind of, you know, downloads versus the levels and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It would be great to have podcasters kind of centralize that data so you can look at that. Set like I'm an no- industry yeah. standard. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've noticed the indie ones are, are definitely more transparent than uh, the big ones yeah. per se.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, because you can always
0: fluff those numbers up, especially if you're a bigger company with a lot of shows. And and so I know television stations do it all the time. That's why you end up with like three number one news in the whatever area station. Because they're all using different metrics to say, oh, we're number one from, you know, seven to eight as opposed to eight to nine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's some, you know, looking at how complex it is even just to, you know, what's a download? Is it, a full listen is it someone who starts an episode is it mm. an automatic download someone just has their software set to right what you know even just looking from there it it gets very complex yeah it does
0: because yeah. yeah. then what do you say oh 30 percent of the episode listened to counts as like enough for the advertising or then like what about your advertisers that are mid-roll that they didn't get to yeah how does you know
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there was something interesting I found in my article, which is NPR for a long time with their podcasts, their ads change. So they'll release a podcast and an ad will only last for a certain amount of time. And they'll go back and reinsert new ads into it. So they have dynamic ads, Huh. which is an interesting concept.
0: And I guess the if you're, you know, changing it to promotions, like with, from within, mm-hmm. uh, you know, promoting another show at that point, there's probably less of a like... With stipulation to that. But if you're putting another ad in there yeah. in place, are you telling people that uh, you're selling these ads to that they're getting ads that are going on old episodes? No one's going to listen to.
2: That's a good point. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's got to be in the contract. Is it based on number of downloads before you're replaced? Is it based on time before your ad is replaced? Yeah, you know, part of issues have to be figured out also. If you, even, you know, if you even know that it's happening to your podcast, which you might not. I've I've noticed
0: with a lot of the advertisers they'll do a uh, like pay per click thing. The, mm-hmm. Those promos are kind of big now, where you know you get the Hello Fresh code slacker, which doesn't exist. Yeah. Don't try it, people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know you get ten percent off, and then we get five percent of that ten percent or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That seems to be a little bit more direct and a little bit more reliable in terms of numbers.
2: Yeah, that's true, and that's a good way of figuring out kind of you know how many people are actually going through it. I know, Dollar Shave Club, I remember was an early. Podcast advertiser, you get that one a lot. In Squarespace, you hear a lot.
0: There seem to be a lot of startups and stuff that are benefiting from the podcast advertising.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, they clearly find it worthwhile, or they wouldn't, you know, be doing it anymore. But I mean, looking at their numbers would be interesting too.
0: Mm-hmm. Some transparency, people. That's all we're asking for.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
0: th- this has been great, man. Thank you so much for coming
2: on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, had a great time.
1: Pleasure was all ours, man. And, uh, definitely keep an eye on Jonathan. He is, uh, fighting for our rights as podcasters to party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very few of them out there.
0: <laughs> is there anywhere that you want people to find you? If, uh, you know, social media, anything like that?
2: I'm um, sure check out my website. It's Icarus law.com. I C A R U S L A W.com. And the link to the uh, article will be up there. It's not, currently but i'll put it up in a moment um facebook is icarus law instagram is Law. so there's a theme
0: there you go and we'll uh, also include a link to that article within these show notes so that'd be great i appreciate that fine for everyone
1: thank you oh yeah and uh everybody at home thank you so much for tuning in and uh until next time, that's it there you go we're spoken the fabric America. In America I'm America 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 America
2: This has been American Slacker Podcast. You can reach the show by searching American Slacker on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit or send them an email to American at gmail.com you can download and rate American Slacker on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play and all other podcast platforms. Visit the show's website aspodcast.com where you will find every episode, official merchandise and links to their Patreon
0: if you would like to support American Slacker.
1: Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Think about the second set of passes. Man, I got to go and get it, grab it. Why you got to go and neck it savage. Smoking weed, I got to feed the habit. Now I'm on some other shit. Things that I got to go get. Medical all on my slip, you falling like dominoes, bitch. Stuck in my ways, fucking high days, fucking sideways in the driveway. We're smoking America, America. We're passing, I'm passing, I'm mapping America, America. I'm slacking America, America. We're choking America, America. we blazing America, This is fucking America, is fucking America.
2: We're America, America.